The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. And listen... Before we get started, before I formally introduce our guest, I just want to say, if you are not registered to vote, get registered now. Get out there and vote. Remember those words of Justin Dart, vote as if your life depends upon it, because it does. You've got to vote. Don't sit at home and not vote. I don't care if you vote Republican or Democrat or Independent. I just care that you do vote. And I have to say this to everyone right now. Get ready to rock and roll. I mean it. We have Mr. High Energy, a passionate leader and an advocate for all people with disabilities on our show today. And I can tell you right now, he is awesome. He is the co-founder and director of Direct Action, which is Disabled Individuals for Real Empowerment and Community Training, and the Chair and Spokesperson of Capital Area ADAPT, the American Disabled for Attended Programs today. And as I said, he is the real deal. Bobby Coward, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me, Joyce. Wow, that was some introduction. Well, let me tell you what. The first time I heard you speak, I just almost fell off my chair. So let me tell you what, you're going to really, all of you listeners throughout the world, I can tell you, this man is the real deal. He is really an advocate, so a good person to listen to and learn from today. So, Bobby, here's my first question for you, and it is twofold. Could you tell our listeners around the world how you first became involved in the disability area and then what what made you decide to become an advocate? Well, what led me to, I, I guess, cross-train into the advocacy and activist uh, role for disability rights when I suffered a, a spinal cord injury as a result of an auto accident. You know, you know I was a, I'm, a, I'm a military vet, and I tried to return and re-enter society in my career field of aviation. And uh, I tried to access, you know, programs such as Social Security's past program plans, which even self-support. Um, it, was, it was really astonishing because Social Security developed a program to get SSDI beneficiaries off you know, you know, you know, become a taxpayer instead of a tax user. But this program, you know, basically rendered me ineligible. Then I tried to access the state vocational rehab program, and I ran into all sorts of challenges, barriers. Eventually, you know, the, the counselors, you know, deterred me from pursuing my goal. Uh, the school that I tried to enroll in was inaccessible. So, you know, all these these uh, barriers really led me to, you know, to, to fight for my civil rights, for full inclusion and integration. And thus, you know, I kind of, you know, cross-trained to the advocacy road to learn about what my entitlements are, the mandates, policy reform. And I've been making a big impact. Um, my pastor told me, you know, I, gotta, I had to get spiritual guidance. My pastor said, the Lord will put you where you need to be, not where you want to be. And, you know, as I was pursuing my personal goals, it kind of, you know, I looked behind me and I saw individuals following me. You know, like, Bobby, where are you going next? You know, and next thing I know, I just was thrust into that leadership role. And what was the second part of that question again? Well, no, that that was what I, I wondered, is what made you decide to become an advocate, and I guess you just made the, I guess it was just from putting up with all this baloney. Oh, yeah, exactly. All the, 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 the discriminations, the bias programs, you know, uh, the violations of uh, civil rights, lack of enforcement, 
policy, you know, we advise policies. It was just, wow, it's really messy, you know. It, it was just like, you know, I was thrusted back in the African-American Civil Rights Movement again. And basically, the same demands that Dr. King were demanding in the 64 movement, disabled communities are, you know, demanding the same, you know, the same issues. You know, it's so amazing you would say that. Because I just wrote an article based, and I, I referenced a book by uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., where I talked about how he said that, you know, about African Americans at that time, that there's a word ringing in the ear of every black man in America, and that word is wait. And yeah. wait almost always means never. And I, I said in this article... You know, you get to the point in life, you know, in a few years, it's the 20th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and here we are. We still have this high unemployment. You know, we can't, we're fighting to get the ADA Restoration Act. You know, there comes a time when you can't wait. I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, that's why, you know, ADAPT is the soldiers of the movement. You know, we're kind of going out, pressing the issue, you know, and, and you know, really fighting for change. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you why I ask you what made you decide to become an advocate. Um, you didn't even know me when on several occasions I heard you speak. Uh, you know, I was in the audience, and it was not uh -huh. just you. It was a panel. But you were the one that really impressed me by your fire and your commitment. I thought, wow, that guy, we need that guy. That guy is who we need right there, that Bobby Coward. And, you know, my... I asked you that because there are many young people listening to the show today and adults with disabilities, but after they had, like you had an accident where, you know, you had this, as you said, spinal cord injury and ended up in a chair, but, you know, there are many others like that, but they, they're afraid to get out there and they're not advocates. That's what I meant. I wondered what gave you the stamina. Well, I, uh, a lot of individuals that I, I outreach to, and the district, as well as the United States, you know, you know, some of them, you know, I mean, there is an issue with violent crimes. You know, that's uh, one issue. But also, a lot of individuals are afraid to voice, you know, you know, a position or, or, or send a message because they fear retaliation from, you know, say, the powers to be. You know, and, you know, when you get to the point where you're fed up, you know, you you hit bottom and it's like, what do I have to lose? I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to reenter society. I can't work. You know, I have a daughter in college. I'm trying to fund her tuition. You know, uh, housing is an issue. So you just got to, you, you, when you're backed up against the wall, you, sometimes you just got to swing, you know, fight your way out. And And I also know that a lot of diverse, cultural individuals lack the awareness based on outreach. You know what I mean? The word really doesn't get to some of the inner city community to about, you know, about the services and programs or, you know, I mean, what, you know, um, policies that can enhance their life. I mean, we have a problem with outreach in this country that makes, you know, that brings awareness to all diverse cultures. And you know, I'm working on cultural competency, cultural competency to make people aware with disabilities, to make people aware of what their rights are and their entitlements. Oh, and that is so true. That you know, there's a whole big group of people. They get left out. They don't know. Then they don't know. So exactly. I, I really say that's wonderful that you're doing that because here at Bender Consulting Services, as you know, we employ people with disabilities. And over 45% of my employees are minorities with disabilities. And so that's why when companies say, you know, I really want to hire a qualified minority, I just can't find them, I say, well, obviously, you know, you're not trying because I'm, I'm not putting a special ad out and I have all these people applying. Right. And, and I maintain that at some companies, you know, instead of, they have a gate screener instead of a gatekeeper. That's oh, why we need Bobby. 
And if you just joined us right now, we're going to break for a minute, but we have as our guest today Robert Coward, the co-founder and director of Direct Action and the chair and spokesperson for Capital Area Adapt. He is a champion in America fighting for Americans with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters on Voice America.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Bobby Coward. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice, what if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And here we are back again with Mr. Bobby Coward, who is the co-founder and director of Direct Action and the chair spokesperson for Capital Area Adapt. But he's also on the board of a wonderful organization, the American Association of People with Disabilities that I am on the executive committee of. And, Bobby, I think that you're going to be involved in something where people can see you everywhere. Yes, uh, I was um, contacted by Jim Dixon from AAPD. You know, Jim Dixon is really spearheading the charge for uh, voting reform. I mean, he was very instrumental and, you know, working on getting Hoffa passed from Senator Dodd and a couple other um, uh, voting uh, reform bills, on you know, in Congress. And um, we are going to be, you know, uh, shadowed and, you know, filmed and for Good Morning America as I attempt, well, as I do vote, not attempt, as I will vote, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, but I, as I use the, uh, the accessible uh, voting machines, and, um, you know, enter the polling places. Because that was one of the two challenges, especially in the district. You know, we sued the, the district, oh, wow, back in um, 2004, don't quote me, but in mid-2000, early 2000, I'm sorry, about uh, accessible voting machines and inaccessible uh, polling places. Now, ironically, the judge, you know, um, um, ordered that each polling site must have an accessible machine. But he didn't make the order at the polling uh, site to be accessible. So first, you know, you, you got to really get into the polls to vote. So that was really, you know, lack of understanding. So I don't understand that. But when Harvard came out, uh, the money that the district had set aside to comply with the court order, we thought that, you know, Harvard, you know, funded some of these voting reforms. So we thought that the money set aside for the voting machines they would use to uh, make the polling sites accessible, but when I was trying to follow, you know, those, the, the money trail, you know, we ran into a lot of, lot of red tape, so, you know, we were really, we were really upset with that, but, 
you know, it's going to be really outstanding that Jim has got Good Morning American, America to um, uh, film us as we, as we vote. That is so awesome. Uh, that is, and, and we will look forward to seeing you, uh, Bobby. And, you know, that's why I told everyone at the beginning of the show, if you're listening right now, you've got to get registered to vote, and then you've got to get out there and vote. Think about it. Think how many millions, over 50 million Americans with disabilities. Think if just a small portion would get registered to vote. What power we would have with the presidential candidates that we have up to this point never had yet. Remember, in the last election, we weren't even mentioned. So that's why it is so important, you know, that you do this, that you get out there and vote, and we will look forward to seeing you on uh, Good Morning America. And also congratulations to Jim Dixon, who I work closely with, and he is a champion with so many things he has done um, with the Help America Vote Act. Bobby, do you really think that you're going to see a lot of these places in the United States accessible? Will people be able to get into them? Well, we, we're taking... A um, uh, we a, a, a um, we're taking an account. You know, you know, we're getting some uh, stats on you know inaccessible polling sites throughout the country. So I, I look forward to seeing that analysis. But you know, I really would like to just you know, I, I kind of like to put a a philosophy out there that you know, until we make an impact at the polling at the polls, you know, and send the message to you know our leaders that if we can't change their minds, we change their faces. You know, that's when I think, you know, a lot of service work programs will go in support of our, our civil rights and full integration. That is so accurate. And I hope you're hearing that. I mean it. If you aren't registered to vote, get registered and then get out there and vote and tell everyone, everywhere, everybody you know. Now, Bobby, what do you think is going to happen with people, for example, um, who are in uh, nursing homes? How are they going to get to vote? Well, that you know, that, is, that is a really a significant, a really, really big, a really great challenge. Um, we're hoping that um, you know we can get you know get into there and get some of these people signed up. But see, here is the barrier: a lot of seniors in this country, especially especially from a diverse uh, culture, you know, I mean, and they're old and they never had birth certificates. I mean, they were, they, you know, because segregation was really, you know, really, really, there was you know, high level segregation, you know, back in the uh, 50s and 60s where they couldn't go to hospitals. So they didn't have birth certificates. You follow me? Yes. So now Congress wants to put this ID mandate, you know, on, on voting reform. And a lot of individuals don't have birth certificates and or the, the institution state. They can't find their criteria or then... Uh, you know, you got the social worker, case manager goes around and try to uh, coerce the resident into voting. You know, based on the, you know who they believe should be in office. So you know, we really you know we don't have the resources to have station. Uh, you know, an advocate. You know, with disabilities in each nursing home, I guess throughout the country. So that's gonna, that's a real struggle that we're facing because there's a, a large number of nursing home residents in this, you know, throughout the United States. Oh, yes, there is. And there are still a large number of people with disabilities who were in houses or apartments in the Mississippi area um, yeah. and New Orleans area that are still in nursing homes. Yeah, I'd be, you know, especially on New Orleans, everybody then, um, you know, relocated. And this is something I would probably talk with, with Jim and from Homeland Security. You know, Claudia Gordon, she's there, you know, she's worked on emergency preparedness. You know, she's doing a great, great job. But the individuals who relocated, we, you know, I was asking the question, uh, have they changed their residence or are they going to send an absentee ballot? Kind of interesting, if, you know, if they change their, their you know, their, their residence. Yes, their that is interesting. Very interesting. Uh, well, before we go to break, here's a question for you. From Marilyn, from a Tammy, and the question is, Bobby, first of all, I commend you for the great work that you are doing. My question is, what keeps you going? How do you have so much energy, so much passion, and, and also, if you don't mind my asking, 
How did you so quickly learn so much about the disability community? Well, I was actually not really knowing that I was being trained for the leadership role because I was a, a staff sergeant in the United States Air Force, and I had subordinates as staff, so lead, you know, under my leadership. And I had two principles. If you don't comply, you die. And I used to tell my, you know, you know, individuals under my leadership, don't worry about if the horse is blind, still load the wagon. That means do your job. And, again, so, you know, I was trained in the leadership role. And as I started getting out into the community, I started seeing, you know, individuals like languishing and nursing homes, just, you know, sitting on the street corners. I mean, it's just wasting away. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, there is more to life. You know, if, I think, I believe that if an individual doesn't believe in a purpose that defines their existence, they don't exist. And, you know, make your life meaningful. Stand for something. You know, get out and make an impact on your community, you know, your culture, your society, and the country. You know, and that motivates me to try to, you know, educate everybody I can with a disability because, you know, you know, outreach and awareness and education is so weak that, you know, you got to have, you know, individuals such as myself just trying to spread the word. And did you... Did you first become involved with ADAPT? Is that who you worked with right at the beginning after your accident? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Matter of fact, I got recruited by Janine Bertram Kemp and Marcy Ross. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they recruited me. And I guess I fit the profile because, you know, in the district I was African-American, and you know, we were looking for a diversity leadership because we were trying to bring the diverse community and get them involved, you know, in the movement. And... You know, I, I had the education, you know, and, you know, I had the leadership skills, so I guess it was like, okay, Bobby, you're it. But, but you know, I, I didn't really have the training but and the, and the education about the movement, but Marcy and, and Janine and Nan, and by the fact that I met Bob Kafka and Stephanie and Mike Oxford and all the people from ADAPT Leadership, and they, I mean, they were really embracing, you know, they brought me in. I was going to the high-level meetings. I mean, I was meeting with cabinet-level officials, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, I'm over my head. But, you know, they, they were very, you know, they were very, you know, comforting, you know, and educating me on the issues and, and recommendations and why this is happening. And, you know, as you stay at the table, you know, just pretty much keep your eyes open, you know, and keep your, your ears open and your mouth shut. You know, I learned very quickly because when you're at the top, and you you know you you know and you've been involved you you come up to speed very quick you know i have to say this especially to all the young people listening to the show today or high school students with disabilities listening to the show today you know here's the thing about bobby if you would hear him speaking you can see he's very articulate but if you could hear him speak you would think he grew up in the disability community I mean, you would. He, he's, he's so well-educated. And so that's what I have to say about initiative. You either sit back and take it and wait for some miracle to happen, or you get out there and do something about it. Although, I agree with you about having a purpose, because when you give back and you have a purpose, just as you said about what your pastor told you, you yeah. know, I know... I have a purpose. I'm, I'm like a missionary on a crusade for employment. But you know you've got to then do something with it. When you get that chance, you've got to do something with it. Because yes. look what has happened to Bobby Coward in a short time period. He is known nationally for his tremendous leadership. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. If you just joined us, you are so lucky. What a great show. Bobby Coward, co-founder, director of Direct Action, and chair spokesperson of Capital Area Adapt. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Bobby. Don't go away.
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. Our guest today is Bobby Coward, co-founder, director of Direct Action and chair spokesperson of Capital Area Adapt, a real advocate known nationally for his work providing quality of life for Americans with disabilities. Bobby, as I told the listeners at the beginning of the show, I, I actually was in the audience at uh, one of the anniversaries of the Americans with Disabilities Act in Washington, D.C. at the NCD. I think NCD had sponsored it. I remember because I was seated with Andy Imperato, and there was a uh, panel up there, and, and they brought you up. You were on the panel. And I was just, wow, this guy's really got it together. I mean, you were one of the people that also, at some other venue I was at, spoke up. You knew your issues. You knew the policy. You know, you really had it together. My question is, do you believe we have enough young disability leaders with passion coming behind you who will be able to make a difference? I to ask that question now. You know, and that, there is a group effort. I know through AAPD, you know, mentoring program with ADAPT, you know, they have their mentoring program. You know, we're trying to develop, you know, our young leaders for, you know, the 21st century. You know, there's a very conscious effort and, you know, a lot of investment to, to bring about, you know, young leaders and, I'm also, I'm working on bringing about uh, diverse cultural leadership because I mean it's it's an inclusive thing you know in order for us to move our agenda forward we, you know it has to be very inclusive. Absolutely, yeah. And see, why I ask you that a lot of people they know you know they know the leaders like as you mentioned Bob Kapka, Judy Human, Tony Quello. You know, they, they know all, Justin Dart, you know, all these leaders of, you know, when, when we were getting the ADA signed and even after that. But many times people call in the show and they're concerned, you know, are, do we have like that same passion, you know, out there? But of course you are one that has that passion. So we just have to find, find and mentor more people like you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I also find that, you know, a lot of individuals that I outreach to, I have, you know, you know, they have had great success, and you know, I mean, transitioning out of nursing homes, 
uh, you know, getting getting back into the work uh, work work workplace, and they they really don't really understand the struggle that that we had to go through to get them to that point. And I have you know, I'm trying to make them understand that you know, I say I do this. I'm not asking you for anything but to give back to the next individual that is struggling to get you know to achieve what you have got your goals. And I just can't get that across sometimes because, you know, once somebody gets out, they just want to, you know, they taste integration and, you know, and freedom, so to speak. They're just loose, you know. They just want to go and enjoy, you know, society enjoy their life for a while. Yes, and that is, many people say I've heard John Lancaster once when he was on, on my show talked about people who are living in prison, and actually he was referring to nursing homes. Uh-huh. I thought maybe you could talk to our listeners about the, that for a minute, about the plight of Americans with disabilities living in nursing homes. Wow. You know, as again, we have the Community Choice Act, you know, that uh, bipartisan bill uh, introduced by Senator Hawkins and Congressman Danny Davis, and this will mandate community living, you know. Also... You know, just to let you know with some of the, 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 the initiatives that we have out there and money follows a person, which, I mean, we were really, you know, that was a standalone sister bill of the Community Choice Act, but it was uh, infused and surged and the reduction, or the Deficit Reduction Act. And the Bush administration gave up, what, $1.75 billion, and it went out through HHS in the form of grants. And actually... I, along with some other community leaders in the district, had wrote a grant, you know, we wrote the grant and got our Medicaid office to submit it to CMS, and the district received the $26 million Money Follow the Person grant to transition individuals out of nursing homes. Now, uh, ADAPT and Direct Action, along with ULS, Universal Legal Service, that's the local P&A group, we are the only two group or three groups in the, in the district actually going into nursing homes and trying to liberate these individuals. But, you know, we're, we're seeing a strong attempt from the District of Columbia to undermine our goals of getting people back into, or actually to, compl- to, to comply with the Olmstead mandate, if I can say that, and also with self-directed care. So, you know, I go in a nursing home, and the district has the highest proportionate number of young people in the country in nursing homes, you know, and... Really, these individuals can get out and reside back in the community and take care of themselves of giving the housing resources that, you know, we, we, we've sent through the housing, our public housing authority, what, what three or four, four times, I believe, four times. University Legal Services actually currently has a lawsuit against the housing authority again. So, I mean, we're, we're fighting on all fronts that we can. You know, we're using every resource in our arsenal, you know, for housing uh, to get about, um, you know, health care, and uh, also employment. See, all these are components, and we're trying to bring the resources in, like the, the Center for Independent Living, which, you know, they're, they're stepping up, the State Council for Independent Living, the Rehab uh, uh, Administration and District. So we're using every source we can to meet with them, educate them about, you know, about uh, individuals languishing in nursing home, how can we support in getting them out. So, but they're there, and it's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of knowledge you know, and skill from, you know, residents in nursing homes that I have found, you know, I found some, some veterans in the nursing homes, you know, that want to get out. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah. A lot of people think that, you know, because you're a veteran, the veteran affair, you know, vet, you know, VA takes care of you. That's not true all the time. That's not true. And by the way, I wanted to thank you for your service to this country. Well, thank you, guys. I just received the Veterans Forever Award, you know, veteran, you know, for outstanding community leadership. You know, it was kind of interesting because I learned something. It's one thing I, you know, I want to share that, you know, a figure of 58,000 vet, Vietnam veterans died over, you know, overseas. But the, the number was greater than 58,000 of the veterans who returned who committed suicide. You know, that was very interesting. And, what was said to me because when you could return back to the U.S. and you were denied, you know, I mean, I mean, you weren't embraced, you know, you had to struggle and services and supports, 
you know, that, you know, you should be entitled to, they weren't getting it. And they just, you know, some figured mentally and, you know, to, you know, you know, make them take their lives, you know. So that's something that I will try to fight for with the returning, you know, vets, you know, you know, that has disorders, you know, disabilities, that they feel included in society and they get the, the services and programs that they need, you know, that they won't feel isolated and want to take their lives. Oh, that is terrible. You know what, that, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't that know that That is very until, interesting. Yeah, I was talking to a host of veterans that from the Vietnam area, and also, you know, I've been on the Congressional Black Caucus a uh, uh, veterans brain trust panel, you know, I be you know I be getting educated, really highly educated with 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 veterans and their struggle. See, and here's how I feel about this: like right now, there are soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan that have lived, but yes. now they have traumatic brain injury yes. and or epilepsy because there's so many blasts, and and then a lot of those people because they have. Traumatic brain injury also have post traumatic stress disorder, many other things, and they're not getting hired, and that is really yes. terrible. And because I I always say to people, other than God Himself, who do you know that would go to battle for you and not know you, but be willing to put their their life on the line for you? Who do you know? That's right. A veteran. That's who. And, you know, so this has nothing to do with my opinion about the war. This has my opinion about the veterans with disabilities returning. They should be employed. And I know you're right. That that doesn't totally surprise me because I'm, I'm 54 years old, and I grew up with the Vietnam War. And, and, you know, I remember how these soldiers were treated when they returned. And when you don't have employment, you don't have dignity. That's right. And when you compound that with what they went through, which none of us can comprehend, you know, war is terrible. And and so, you know, I do thank you for your service, but I'm glad you're doing that, Bobby. I'm yeah, glad so you're better. out there fighting for veterans. Yes, that's fast. Okay, well, here's what I wanted to ask you about. I know something else that you're interested in, and that is the taxi cab service in D.C., trying to get it to be more accessible, which is a pain in the neck if you're in Washington <laughs> and you need an accessible cab. What are you doing about that? Well, uh, our councilman Jim Graham is championing this cause. Um, there is, you know, I actually, I went up, uh, to a summit in New York, Michael Winters, uh, 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 Deputy Secretary, was there on transportation. It was a good, um, good um, a summit. Uh, a gentleman is uh, uh, trying to introduce some already accessible cabs that came off the, the semi line. Because you know, right now, you know, you get a Chrysler or a Ford, and you that's you know from the major manufacturer. Then you got to go get it modified for accessibility. This guy with standard cab. Is already, you know, having his vehicles come off the semi-line accessible. So that's a, a good thing. I think if I can remember, I think the price per per vehicle was 25k. Um, and what was happening? We where where you know what kind of goes back to the the ADA. You know, um, you know, with the New Freedom Initiative, there are, there is some federal dollars, New Freedom Initiative dollars that has been bidded on by you know certain. Well, in the district transportation planning board, to go beyond the scope of the ADA for as, as it deals with transportation. Now, right now in the district, you know we have Red Top Cab and Barwood. Red Top is from Virginia, and Barwood is from Montgomery County. And they can, they can pick you up in you know in, in Virginia or Maryland and bring you to DC and drop you off. Or they can come in DC and pick you up and take you back to Virginia or Maryland, but they can't pick you up and drop you off in DC. So that's why we're saying there is a need for cab companies, accessible cab companies in the district. Now we, we're working. Uh, Jim Grant, with a district has budgeted uh, two hundred thousand dollars, you know, uh, for accessible cabs. But that you know, that's you know, that's just a nick, and what is needed. Also, what is needed is, is uh, legislation to support this. And you know, one of my um, my proposals at that task force, I'm on a task force for accessible taxi cabs. Is to mandate that each cab, because I think it's like twenty, uh, over twenty cab companies in the 
city, if I, if, I, if I remember my notes right. But if we could get a mandate uh, uh, stating that each cab company must is required to have at least two successful cabs, you know, that would be great. Well, hey, you heard them. If you live in that area, you know what you can do? Write to your representative, write Jim to Graham. the mayor, write to this planning committee. Don't uh, just 50. sit back and say, good idea, do something about it. And Mayor we're 50. going to break them. We'll be back to close our show with our guest today, a real champion for Americans with Disabilities, Bobby Coward. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back with you. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com if you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just now tuned in, listen, you can go back because all these shows are archived at voiceamerica.com and at benderconsult.com. Tell your friends, tell everyone you know, go back and listen to this show with Bobby Coward. Very educational, great show for all people with disabilities, especially any young person who wants to become an advocate. Bobby, as you can see, time goes very quickly, but before we move on, I do want to ask you about direct action. Uh, first of all, what are some of your main goals? And number two, how can our listeners help you? Well, you know, again, the mission is, you know, we advocate and promote community-based living, affordable, integrated, accessible housing, and employment for individuals living in the District of Columbia. You know, um, you know, we can always use some support. If you can identify anybody languishing in a nursing home, let us know. You know, we, we will go and visit and uh, do a training there. We would go and talk to that resident and and uh, adv- you know we'll advise him or educate him about his his rights and entitlement. Um, really. So and also with employment, you know, we really need individuals to organize and unify to go to Mayor Fenty and say, hey, this, there is a need for us to be for you know that we that we want our civil rights. And we want our civil liberties, uh, especially now that we got this $26 million grant. And I fear that, you know, this money is going to be misappropriated. I also fear that, you know, again, that the, the Olmstead mandate is being undermined by, you know, I, I hate to say the secret society, but, you know, we need more individuals to come out and support us, you know, and ensuring that the money that we fought for is a spent on the intent. We just need more people to get involved. Come out and get involved. 
Get involved. Well, Bobby, I have to ask you a question. Obviously, someone influenced you because, you know, you really have a lot of character and you're really giving back. Who would you say uh, influenced your life the most? Oh, wow. That's a, I give that some thought. Um, you know, my, my mother, my family, really, you know, my, I got my brother and my mother, you know, and when I got injured, um, I got helivacted to uh, Baltimore shock trauma because uh, PG, you know, hospital, I turned my truck over in, in Prince George's County. They couldn't, you know, uh, treat me. So I went to Baltimore, and I had my mother traveled every day from D.C. to Baltimore and my brother every morning to come in, you know, you know, you know give me a bed bath. So my family really influenced me. I'm, they're very supportive. You know, uh, when I came back home, after I went to the inauguration, everybody was up in the National Rehab Hospital. They was there. But when I came back home, you know, the, my home was kind of inaccessible. And uh, everybody said, well, Bobby, what do you need? I said, well, you know, I don't need money. You know, sometimes throwing money at an issue doesn't solve it. Just bring nails, concrete, you know, wood. And before I knew it, I had, you know, my home was accessible, you know. So my family and friends really made an impact on me, and I feel as though I can't let them down, so I have to step up and make an impact on my population of people so what they did for me, you know, isn't in vain. Well, right. you're not letting them down, that's for sure. You really are doing a lot to give back, yeah. and that is uh, that is really, I think, what you're all about, and you, you can just see that in how energetic and vibrant you are about all of this. Um, so throughout your life now, I know since the time of that accident, and, and probably before for all I know, but I'm just talking about since then, you have become very well-known. You've received numerous awards and accolades. You just talked about one of them from that Veterans uh, yeah. Association. My question to you is, of all of your accomplishments so far, what are you the proudest of? Um, actually, I'm going to tell you one award that I'm really proud of, the, the proudest of receiving was the Justin Dodd Award given to me by University Legal Services, the PNA. You know, to, to actually be awarded in his honor, that's something that, you know, I mean, it's, you know, devastating to me that, you know, I mean, someone would kind of think that, wow, Bobby you know, is a young leader, and, you know, he's kind of like walking in the footsteps of Justin Dart. I was talking to Yoshiko, and she's, she's very knowledgeable. She kind of, you know, inspires me and, you know, advises me with some philosophy, you know, to keep me, you know, focused. So, again, the Dart family has been really very supportive of me. So I, I really would say the Justin Dart Award. I know how you feel because every year past several years in the month of July on our radio show when we have disability leaders on, you know, celebrating the anniversary of the ADA, we frequently have I Dare Dart on, Justin's daughter. Uh But I also know Yoshika very well. And I was blessed to know Justin, not as long as I wish I had known him. But in the few years that I did know him, I can tell you that man lived it every day, Right to the day he died, he lived it every day. Yeah, if I can share this real quick, I remember when I planned my first action at the Supreme Court and I asked him to speak, and I was like, wow, you know. I said, what if nobody shows up, you know? He said, well, if nobody don't show up, at least you know I'll be there and the police will be there. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody, he said, somebody going to be there. And trust me, the police were there. They was all there, too. Yeah, well, he would know. You know what his thing was? He could bring everyone together. You know that? Yeah. Justin could bring all groups together. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. We need that. You know, we would have so much more power if we all worked together, including, as you said, all cultures. We would have so much power if yeah. we all worked together instead of working against one another. I agree with you. So, Bobby, if people want to know more about you before I ask this last question, uh, what website should they go to? Uh, www.directact.org. I repeat, www.directact.org. 
And directact.org is obviously a non-profit organization. Yes, yes, non-profit. Yeah, how do you receive your funding then? Uh, we were blessed to receive uh, funding through the Consumer Health Foundation. Um, they really believed in what we were doing, and they bought into, you know, they bought into it, and you know, they funded us to make an impact. And we have yet to, you know, let them down. So. But if anyone wants to make a contribution, they can do so. Oh yes, but of course. Yes, Direct. Give I me have the my website. contact. My contact information is on there. Just give me a call. At the country, as a matter of fact, um, our national DAP is coming in town April the 29th, um, and we're doing a national fund run, a fundraiser, and we, you know, we're seeking, uh, you know, we're seeking money, you know, to continue to do what we do, to travel, to subsidize the hotel expense. You know what's all involved. And, so and when is have that? Money to make, make an impact. When is that, Bobby? April the 29th. Oh. April 29th, if you want to get involved. And also, one more time, your website. www.directact.org. Okay, well, Bobby, a question I have asked every single guest for the past four years is, what message would you like to leave today with our listeners? Well, you know, I, I, I would have to mimic Justin Dart. Get into politics as if your life depended on it, because you know that what is governing our society in the United States. You know, my daughter's majoring in and uh, journalism, and I say the printed word is what governs our society. So you have to get involved. If you with a disability, get involved for change. Stand for change. I mean, that's what Hillary and Obama's running for for change. You know, we're constantly evolving. Evolution is what. We do, you know, I mean, as a people. So you have to get involved to affect that change. Isn't that the truth? And I'll tell you, you heard his words. We always use the words of a famous civil rights leader. And today I'm going to give you that quote again that was said by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. when he said, there's a word ringing in the ear of every black man in America, and that word is wait. And wait almost always means never. Folks, we're tired of waiting. Got to get out there and vote. Get registered to vote. Get out there, do something. Don't sit back. Make it happen. Bobby, thank you so much for being with us today. Anytime you need me, I'm a great supporter. All right, and listen, Bobby, we'll be looking for you on Good Morning America. Outstanding, okay? All right, thanks, Bobby. This is Joyce Bender. You've been listening to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. Out here, disability does matter. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.